What's up, team? Welcome to the 250th episode of the ADHD Essentials Podcast. I'm your host, Brendan Mahan. I'm an ADHD professional who has been working in the field for 10 years. I'm on the organizing committee for the International Conference on ADHD and a board member of the Men's ADHD Support Group. I work with families, individuals, and organizations to help them better manage the effects ADHD and similar elements of neurodiversity have on them. For those of you who have been wondering why the show has been inconsistent for the last little while, this is your answer. I hope you find meaning and comfort in the story. Because in today's episode, my family and I share the mental health struggles that have affected our lives over the past four years, as well as the things that we did to address and eventually overcome them. This episode is mainly about my son Nathan's struggle with severe obsessive compulsive disorder, but the lessons hiding inside of it, related to compassion, family, and perseverance, apply to all mental health challenges, ADHD included. A few notes before we start. I did not propose this idea. My kids did. They wanted to do this for the 250th episode of the show. Also, we talk pretty frankly about Nate's OCD. We even joke about some of the events it caused. None of that was done with resentment or ill will. The entire conversation was based in love and acceptance. If anyone, especially Nate, had appeared uncomfortable or distressed by this conversation at any point, I would have ended it and would not be posting this. In fact, I had everyone listen to this show prior to posting, and they gave their seal of approval. Finally, this was recorded in January, so it's a little bit dated. The boys finished 8th grade two days prior to posting, and did so with great success. I'm proud to say that in the time since we recorded this episode and now, our entire family has moved from a place of healing to a place of growth. All right, let's get rolling. I am sitting here on my couch with my family. As a result, one of the things that may or may not happen is if a car drives by, you're probably going to hear it. There's not a lot I can do to control that, so we're going to have to deal with whatever audio artifacts occur. The plan for this episode, episode 250, is to talk about some of the challenges that my family has been facing for a couple reasons. One is so that you, as my audience, understands why there's been interruptions with the release of this podcast, and also to normalize some of this stuff. Maybe hearing some of the challenges my family has faced will help you reframe some of the stuff that your family may or may not have experienced. And with that, I'll turn it over to whoever in my family wants to start the conversation. You've heard me on this podcast before. I was... How many years ago was that? I don't know. It's been a few. Probably two or three. Okay. Well, this story really started not a year ago, but like... It started really closer to four years ago when fourth grade ended. And you're in eighth grade now. Yes. So, the story is about me and my OCD. Yeah. Where? How deep do you want to go? Okay. Do you want to keep going? Do you want me to take over? Or mom to take over? Or someone else to take over? Someone else to take over? I don't know how to podcast. <laughs> That's okay. We're just telling stories. That's all this is. Okay? <coughs> um, so, Nate, your OCD, and it, it's not it's not only the story of your OCD, right? Because Gavin's got some stuff going on, too, that's played a role in this. Yeah. Right? And it's also the story of navigating COVID and what that looked like. There's a lot of stuff that went into our struggles as a family, right? Yeah, I just... You don't need to carry all of it. I was thinking more of my first OCD spike kind of is what kicked off the whole big ball roll of craziness in our lives. Sure. I wasn't the only thing, definitely not. Like, COVID played a role, everyone else's stuff played a role, but at the end of fourth grade, when my OCD spiked, that... I think is like maybe one of the first real things that happened that started it all. Do you want to talk about that? Do you want to share that story? Um, 
Okay. So the first real, like, point where the OCD spiked was we were doing a live chorus performance at my elementary school where we were going to sing in front of a bunch of people. And my OCD is contamination OCD surrounded around school. So going there after hours and it was mandatory to wear a school spirit shirt, which was also not fun. So there was a lot going into this that made me really anxious. So then when I got home, I was like, please, please, can I shower to wash off the contamination? And that was the first time that we really were like, oh, the showering after school is like a thing. And after that, like, it was, a, it went from, we would shower after school just because that was really the best time to do it. And because our parents would tell us that we were stinky boys. <laughs> um... And so they said, hey, you need to be clean. So we would shower after school. And somewhere along the way, OCD grabbed hold of that and said, no, you have to shower after school. Can I expand on what you mean when you say contamination OCD and yes. school? So Nate's, Nate has OCD. He has emotional contamination OCD, which means... Not contamination like a virus, but something is the thing that causes the contamination. And for him, that thing is school. So, like you said, going to school after hours was extra hard because you were going back into the thing that was contaminated and having to wear a school t-shirt or a school sweatshirt or even just being around other kids wearing those causes you some distress. Is that fair to say? Yes. Okay. So that's that's what's going on, and it sounds like that started with the chorus concert in fourth grade. Yeah, that was the earliest example of, like, a big OCD spike that I can remember. And then that summer, you went to a summer camp at the middle school. The thinking being that going to the middle school would make some of the school anxiety easier to manage because you would have seen the middle school before you went to it. But because it was OCD and not regular anxiety... It actually made things worse because you were going in, you were sort of spreading the contamination to the middle school because it was so closely connected to you being in elementary school. Is that accurate? Yes. Uh, I'm guessing we want to skip the part of it got so bad that you cried. <laughs> Whatever we need to do, man. We can talk about that. Um, we also didn't realize that you had OCD at that yeah. point. We we didn't know we we thought we knew you were anxious and depressed, but we didn't know specifically that you had OCD. We figured that out sometime over the next six months or whatever. And by the time then the pandemic hit in between, and by the time we were actually able to get your diagnosis, it was about a year later. But yeah. um, but we figured it out, but not at that point. We had not. Yeah, and you figured it out before I did because I I remember having that conversation where you were like, I think this is OCD. And I was like, no, I don't, he doesn't have OCD, but sure enough, you were right. And so, yeah, fifth grade was hard. Fifth grade in our town is middle school. And in the middle of fifth grade was when COVID hit. Yeah. So then you were home. And the only thing I knew at the time was that school coming home made things really hard. You seem to be able to go to school and handle going to school. And you could come home and things would be okay. But if you had to do homework here or really anything that was school-related that came into the house caused a lot of anxiety. Yeah. Someone sat on the couch in the living room wearing a Coolidge shirt. Gav, go ahead. No, it was during the summer at the very end of fourth grade. We were given a towel with our names on it. And then our grandparents came over, and one of them slept on the couch using one of those towels as a blanket that came directly from school. It was a towel that came from school. And that that was when the couch got contaminated. Yes. And then you wouldn't sit on the couch. Yeah. And you wouldn't sit at the kitchen table because you had done homework on the kitchen table. Yeah. So we were losing parts of our house 
as this all went on. And it was it was hard. It was. It, it got so bad that, like, during when we were doing the summer camp at our middle school, like, I just, I didn't want to go, and I kept trying to avoid it, that it got so bad that, like, even you, Daddy, couldn't handle it, and, like, you had a rough time, and I think you started crying at one point, but that's... Yeah, there was a day when I was on the floor of the kitchen crying in the morning, because I didn't know what to do, I didn't know how to help, and kind of my whole deal is knowing how to help, and not knowing what to do, having done everything that I knew to do, and we still weren't getting where we needed to go was really challenging. And I, I've had to learn a lot and grow a lot to become the best dad I can be for you guys. So that that's that was the beginning of the OCD. And we've had, we sort of got it under control during COVID. We got, we worked with one of the best OCD specialists in the world. Longtime listeners might remember that I did a podcast episode with the president of the International OCD Federation a while back. I basically did that interview to get a referral. I got the referral, and we've been working with, I forget her name. Denise. <laughs> and we've been working with Denise for, what, it's, I guess it's like three years now, right, going on? Yeah. Um, and she's great. Off and on, we haven't worked with her the whole time. But we navigated COVID pretty well. I homeschooled you guys for COVID for two main reasons. One being we didn't really know what was going on with COVID in terms of contamination and how risky COVID was. And also I knew that when school came home, things got really hard here. And I figured with the uncertainty of are they going to go to school or not go to school, is it sometimes going to happen and sometimes not going to happen because of COVID spread? If I homeschooled them, we wouldn't have to worry about that because they would just be home. There wouldn't be school coming home. School would just be home. And I didn't know if that was a huge risk or not, but I took it. And and also, I was licensed to teach grade six and had experience in teaching grade six, at least half the curriculum. So knowing that I had done it before helped. And we, we made it through COVID, through sixth grade. Then we went back to school for seventh grade and things got challenging again, right? For both of you. Gab, do you have any thoughts here? Um... Before we get into that, are you able to, like, take bits and move them between parts? Yeah, I can move things around. Why? We forgot uh, when Nate was living in the bathroom, when it was that bad. Yeah, we can go back to that. Let's go back to that, Nate. Start that. Um, we're, we will move this to the fifth. We don't have to. People will follow through. Okay. Um, and something that we forgot to talk about is... During the summer between fourth grade and fifth grade, my, like, I, because of all the spread of my contamination OCD, I pretty much lived in the bathroom. Um, like, I was just scared to go every, anywhere else because there was so much contamination going around. The bathroom was the one place that was, like, clean. I couldn't go in my room. Like, I couldn't sleep there. I would sleep on the floor of the bathroom it was you slept on the couch a lot on the yeah, love seat i slept on a couch a lot um not the one that was contaminated we had another one and like when i got super anxious i would sometimes go down to the bathroom and like sleep on the floor with with a non-contaminated towel i don't think i know about that did i did i know that yeah you should have I don't remember that happening. Okay, I would have chased you out of the bathroom if you were doing if I knew you were doing that. No, there was it wasn't like a super common thing, but there was at least one time I had a meltdown and you just like you heard me go down there and you just hugged me cuz you saw how much pain I was in. I remember you going to the bathroom downstairs caused a massive anxiety spike for me eventually. Anytime you went down there, it was terrifying because I didn't know how to help you. I didn't know what was going on. I didn't understand why you wouldn't come out. Um, and I just tried to support you the best way that I could. And didn't I didn't want to be a big, mean, yelling dad. I know a couple times I said, like, I can make you more scared of me than you are of leaving this bathroom. And realized pretty quick that was not the plan. But I remember how hard that was. And I'm glad we got you out of it eventually. 
Um, Amy, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that time. Yeah, like what you said. I mean, you're like, oh no, it's, you know, going to be a, how long are you going to be in there crying or freaking out or whatever you were doing? And and it was frustrating because we didn't fully understand the problem yet at that point. But even then we had some idea that you would not be doing that if you could avoid doing that. Like it wasn't like you were trying to get attention or cause trouble. Like that was clear, but it was hard to keep that in mind sometimes. Um, one of the things that is going to be revealed that you two don't know yet. Uh, I remember there was one point you had chased me out of the bathroom and were like, just, just go to bed, please. Um, and you and mommy and daddy were downstairs just talking about like how hard it was. And I was sitting on the stairs, just listening to the whole conversation and just being like, Oh God, this is what I'm doing to them. Um, but like I was just sitting on the stairs and just listening to it all, trying not to like, have you noticed me? Cause I was like, I knew if you realized I was there, you would stop talking. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I need to hear this stuff. Cause then I know what I should try and do to make things better. I just felt really bad about all the hardships I was causing you um, by just having the OCD, but obviously we didn't know what to call it at the time. I think that this, just to reframe that a little bit, one of the messages that I want my listeners to get from this story, that I want you guys to get from this story of our lives and how hard things have been is... A lens that some people can take is that their kid is giving them a hard time or that their husband or wife is giving them a hard time. And often, most of the time, that's not the case. And that's not the case in this story at all. You were not giving us a hard time. You were having a hard time. And that's the part that's important for us to keep in mind here is you are having a hard time. And yeah, it affected the rest of your family who lived in the house with you. Of course it did. But I don't want you to feel like you have to carry the way it affected us almost at all, right? Like you need to carry and be responsible for keeping yourself healthy, keeping your OCD under control and managed as best you can. That stuff is true. But um, you're, not the, you're not the bad guy in all of this. Does that make sense? Yeah. The OCD is, sure. Let's, I'm willing to say that. But you're not. It's not... You didn't do any of this on purpose. Does that make sense? Yeah, that wasn't really what I was trying to say. I was more of ex trying to say the fact that, like, I was listening to what the ripple effects of my difficulties were, like, weighing on you and, like... I don't want you to focus on the part of me being like, oh no, I'm causing you hardships. It was more of listening to that conversation like I was like, I need to try and do better. But that was really hard because like I didn't know how yeah. to do better. Because you were like 10. And now you know how to do better. Because we've taken the steps, we've found the resources that we need. Um, and we'll get to, to why Nate knows how to do better eventually, I'm sure. But you've come a really long way from where you've been. We haven't even gotten to the worst of the OCD yet. That was a pretty bad time, though. I agree. Honestly, my most, my main emotion I was feeling that time, unlike Mommy and Daddy, was mostly loneliness. Like, I've been living with my brother for ten years, and now, not only does it feel like he's in, not only does it feel like he's moved out, but he's still here, but seeing him could make things worse. I didn't know what to do. Like, I tried to make him feel better in little ways, but I know I wasn't an expert, so I couldn't do much. A good thing that did come out of it was I got to get a much better relationship with Mummy, since 
Nate and Daddy were downstairs trying to sort their things out. Me and Mummy could got to hang out more, and we got to read and do board Panda. That's a nice website. Not sponsored. <laughs> hashtag, <laughs> hashtag not spawn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, that's that's another minor story of like kind of the ripple effects was. Um, we went to our aunt's house and pretty much ignored her because I was just like, since I was so anxious, I spent a lot of time on my iPad just trying to distract myself from the world. So our aunt, like, was sad that we weren't hanging out with her. Another side of that was Auntie Lala was going through a lot of stressful stuff at that time, too, because it was during COVID and it was... Sort of the run-up to school starting was when you went. School hadn't started yet, but there was a lot of talk about what that would look like. And her town was really, really angry with each other. They were angry. There were parents who were angry with the teachers because the teachers were anxious about going back to school. And did that mean that they were going to get COVID? And the teachers wanted it to be virtual. And there were some really loud parents. It was the minority of parents but really loud parents who were saying that they wanted it in person. And Lauren is a teacher. There was no right. Yeah, and Lauren much. and Lauren is a teacher. So, um, so there was a lot of there was a lot of stress for Auntie Lala as a teacher at that time too. It wasn't just you guys. It wasn't just your behavior. It was also her stress coming into, and everybody's stress during COVID during that early phase of COVID when it was really really hard on everybody. So. Then we go through COVID. I did a good enough job homeschooling you. I know I didn't do the best job, and there were times when you guys had to say, Dad, we need to do more work, because I was struggling too. And you, we go back to school for seventh grade. I'd like to mention yeah, go. a little bit about during COVID was when you three, Daddy, Mommy, Nate, were uh, fighting the most against OCD without much expertise in it, just trying to make things better. So, again, I just had to sit through it. I couldn't do anything to help. So I got, like, the five stages of listening to this. Number one was anxiety. Like, I was just listening to this, and I was anxious about what it would mean and what would happen. Number two two um was when I would come in and like try to help try to like find a compromise or like try to solve the problem that was happening that was causing everyone to be talking because most of the time it would happen at night and I just wanted everyone to go to bed number three was after nothing was happening I just sat back and enjoyed it like I just probably sleep deprivation, but I just looked at it like a sitcom and was just smiling about it. Uh, number four, eventually I would just get tired of it and want them to stop and leave it so, I, so it could just end and we, things could be peaceful. And if it wasn't done by the time I got to stage five, then I would join in on one of the sides, either just let Nate's OCD win this time, or don't let Nate's OCD win this time. And I would fight against it that way. That's good to know that you were... I didn't know that you had experienced it like that. That's that's interesting. I do remember going to bed was a process for a while. It was like a two-hour-long, rigid ritual. that I don't even remember what all the pieces were, but I know there was reading and... Checking the doors. Checking the doors. Rearranging the stuffed animals. Yeah, there was a ton of stuff going on. Um, like an hour-long teeth brushing process. Yep, mm. yep. Hour-long teeth brushing process. It was a really, really hard time. And and I, be I believe you, Gab, that you were sort of... That makes sense that that was your approach. Another secret that I held. I was actually doing twice as much teeth brushing as I said. I would like, when flossing, I would 
floss twice in each spot. I would brush twice. Um, like I did, which is why it took so long. I was just like, oh God, if I tell them, they'll be like, no, you're doing way too much. Just stop. And then I would like explode because I'm doing half as much as I feel like. And that's a lot of difference for the OCD that I just wasn't ready for. So that was one of the things that I didn't talk about. And I, I, I want to add, Gavin, you mentioned that one of the good things about this was that you got to have a better relationship with mom because you got to spend more time with her. That was one of the hard things for me was I was very aware of the fact that I was spending so much time with Nate and that I wasn't spending time with you and wasn't able to pay attention to you and connect with you in the way that I wanted. And also that I wasn't getting to spend time with mom either. I was very aware that 90% of my time was being taken up by Nate um, and that I couldn't do much about it. And the time I did get with mom was mostly oh my God, what are we going to do with Nate? How do we navigate this? This is overwhelming. This is really stressful. And not like, hey, I love you. So I think it's a, that's a good thing to call out. But at the same time, one of the one of the things that is, I just said it was hard, but also it was kind of nice to hang out with Nate and and be helping you and caring for you and trying to take trying to do right by you. Admittedly, it was more than I wanted to do. It was more time and more stressful and much harder. But I did like that we got to spend some time together that was me making sure that you know that you're cared about even when things are hard. Yeah. Let's jump to seventh grade because there's a, that's when things start to move and change. You go back to school for seventh grade. Both of you t- would say that you felt like you were still in fifth grade and felt like you were still 10. You felt like that homeschooling time was almost a lack of growth and maturity in there. Social stuff was kind of hard. During COVID, I started that Dungeons and Dragons game for you that my listeners know about, at least in pieces. So you did stay connected with some of your friends during COVID. But then seventh grade gets hard because both of you are having challenges, right? Gav, your OCD by now has started to do some stuff. It's starting to pick up its own areas to have concerns, one of which is getting COVID and, and also getting other peop- giving other people COVID. You were really anxious about spreading it. So you're wearing masks at school every day all the time which was fine when masks were what everybody was doing and had to be worn but eventually that changed and you kept wearing them nate you did too you wore a mask the whole time but that was to avoid school contamination not to avoid covid contamination you didn't want to inhale school Um, both of you ended up wearing the masks overly tightly and nate more than you gav but both of you would wear the mask a little more tight than you needed to nate you had like cuts on the back of your ears Um, they were not just cuts, it was like gross back there. I know. Um, um, and Gav, you were constantly touching your mask and putting your hands over your mask and all that stuff. And my OCD copied a lot of Gavin's stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it annoyed me a lot. Every time I would get stressed, at least just, not every time, but there was so many times throughout life, even before when Nate's OCD came, when I would be stressed and Nate would take that and multiply it. Like he, like I hated chorus before he did. I was crying in the shower, crying on the couch. I hated chorus so much. I was just lip syncing it all. And then Nate stood all completely off the stage didn't even try to sing, just cried. And then throughout even, and then it became the entire school. And after that happened, I felt like I couldn't be stressed about that anymore. And it hits it more. That's gone pretty significant, right? For you, you try not to be stressed about anything. You try not to have any needs. You try not to advocate for yourself in any way out of concern that it's going to lead to more stress at home or more stress for Nate or something. And that's something we're working on with you. Is like, dude, you're allowed to be stressed. You're allowed to be upset. You're allowed to have needs. Was it always after that? The Was your first concern with that that Nate was going to latch onto it and blow it up? No, it didn't. That wasn't a concern of mine. Except for if it happened while I was in the shower. Because during night, if Nate went downstairs not stressed... And then I went into the shower and got stressed. Impossibly 
every single time that happened. He came out stressed, even if it, even though it wasn't every day at that point when he was. Yeah, that's not a magic twin thing. That's more like a, I get to go in the shower and all my shields come down and I'm getting tired. It didn't okay. happen every time, but every time I was stressed in the shower, it happened to Nate. Mostly I didn't want to have stress because of Daddy, because the first time that happened when I wanted to stop having stress was when Nate was having stress. I don't think it was OCD. I think it was something else. Mummy had a migraine, because Mummy gets those, and Daddy was trying to deal with those too. And then I got stressed for some other reason, and Daddy just couldn't handle it, because he had to deal with three people at once. So after seeing him get like that, I was like, okay, I can't be stressed when everyone else is too. Daddy can't handle that. Daddy's the one who has to pick up all these pieces. So I'm not going to do that. But eventually it just, when Nate's OCD became a thing, I just couldn't be stressed because everyone's always stressed all the time already. <laughs> and I did get better at handling all the stress. Mm -hmm. That's the thing that's happened over the course of all of this is I'm... I'm not claiming I'm perfect, but I've gotten better at being able to carry as much as possible. But there has been a lot to carry. I agree there. There's times when I'm like, I can't carry anything anymore. That certainly happened. And much like you, right, I understand where you come from because I have the same lens, right? I'm like, I should be able to carry all of it and I should just never be stressed ever. I should just take care of everybody all the time. And that's not realistic for either one of us. So we go, let's circle back to seventh grade because that's... Like I said, thing, there's a lot that goes on in seventh grade. Everyone at school is wearing a mask because that's the mandate. You guys are more obsessed with your masks than the other kids. Gav, you're touching yours a lot. We're getting word from teachers that you're anxious about the mask. You're also not talking to other kids because of the mask, I think. Or maybe just because you're feeling really shy. What was that about? A little bit of both. <laughs> a little bit of both. Okay. Nate, you're... Wearing the mask to such a degree that you're not willing to take it off at lunch, so you stopped eating lunch. You lost some weight there for a while. The stress and anxiety of school goes up and goes up and goes up and gets worse and gets worse, and we're doing our best. By now, we know about OCD. We know we have to do the hard thing, which was one of the things that was tricky for me with ADHD. A lot of managing ADHD is, why are we doing everything so hard? Like there's ways to make this stuff easier. Let's accommodate ADHD because it makes our lives easier. But for OCD, if we accommodate OCD, OCD gets bigger and takes over more territory and makes everything harder because it's like, oh, if you're willing to let me brush my teeth for 15 minutes, then maybe you'll let me brush my teeth for half an hour. And the next thing we know, you're brushing your teeth for an hour, right? Mm -hmm. Um and so my, all of my training is like, well, what, if this is a thing that's really hard for you, let's just make it easier. But making it easier backfired early on. But by seventh grade, we know not to do that. So we're going to school. We're pushing through as much as we can. I was accommodating in some areas. I would drive you to school and not drive on campus because then my car would be contaminated and all that stuff. But I'm doing my best to keep things balanced and let you keep going. But then eventually... Uh, you had a day where you were at school and couldn't be there anymore. And I ran away. <laughs> the story with that was because I was having my mask so tight and, like, I would, like, squeeze it against my face, basically. It got to the point where I was, like, holding it so tight, I couldn't really breathe. So I was just like, I can't do this anymore. And so I was like, I have to get out of here so I can breathe. Uh, so uh, I just pretty much just walked out the door. No one noticed. It was one of the side doors that was close to the cafeteria. Weren't you at recess at the time? No, we were in lunch. Um, and I, I went through one of the side doors, not the one that was by the main office where they probably would have noticed me. But I just went out one of the side doors and no one noticed and I just walked across the street so that I could take my mask off and not be anxious. That's the thing that Daddy has talked about a lot is ADHD people are really good in crisis situations because 
our chemical levels balance out in a crisis. I forget what the chemical was. Dopamine. Dopamine levels out in a crisis. So I get across the street, take off the mask, and I'm like, okay, step-by-step process. First, I need to contact my dad so that he can contact the school. And the faster I do this, the less trouble I'll be in. But I am going to be in serious trouble. I already know that. So I tr- get out my school iPad, try and email my dad, but school iPads don't let you email anyone unless they're actively connected to the school. So I couldn't do that. And so next I'm like, okay, um, go for broke. I knock on the door of the house that I'm next to. And just this sweet old lady comes out and I tell her the situation. I'm like, hey, I have OCD. I ran away from school because I was so anxious. Can I please use your phone to contact my dad? And the lady goes, oh, sure, that's fine, honey. My whole family has OCD. And I'm like, in my head, I'm screaming because I'm like, the luck, the sheer luck that the one house I knock on is the one with the whole family of OCD. And I'm just like, so I use her phone and I call my dad and he's like, yeah, I heard that you ran away from school. Where are you? Oh my God. I didn't, I hadn't. Oh, you hadn't? No, I got a call from some random lady's phone. It had her name on it, which I won't say publicly. And I'm like, that's weird. Okay. Usually I ignore those calls, but I answered and it was you. And I'm like, what the heck? And so I went to go get you. I hadn't heard from the school yet. At the time, I was so anxious about everything that was going on with you that telling the school what was going on was not my priority. My priority was getting to this random person's house to make sure you were safe and also to see how you're doing, right? Once I got you from the old lady and she tells me also about her whole family having OCD, which it's like we live in a sitcom sometimes, then I contacted the school. But before I contacted the school, I called your clinician. I called Denise first to see, like, do, because I was all set to bring you back to school. I was like, you're just going back. But you were so anxious that I was a little hesitant. So I wanted an expert to tell me what the best choice was. And by luck, another sitcom moment, her client that she had at that time, it was around noon, didn't show up. So she just ended up talking to you for that time instead. And I remember taking my phone and putting it on speaker so the two of you could talk And I could get to my email and email the school to let them know that we were literally across the street and I had you and you were safe and all that stuff. They were pretty panicked and concerned about what was going on, but it all got smoothed out. Yeah. One of the things I want to compliment the school on is that you didn't get in trouble. I thought for sure. I was like, you've just shown that you're not trustworthy. You might not be allowed to go to recess anymore. That's not what happened. They were like, no, this was an anxiety thing. We understand we're going to do everything we can to help him get his anxiety under control and make sure he's feeling safer at school. We don't want him to run away again. They handled it really, really well, and I was incredibly impressed by that. They did notice at some point before you called them, because I know the story was... And we got lucky because I have a brother, and they noticed that Gavin was alone at recess when typically we would be together, and that's when they realized, where's Nate? It wasn't only that. I told one of the teachers at lunch... Because you came into the doorway of the cafeteria, and I was like, are, are you coming? And you just shook your head and walked away, so I knew something was wrong. So I told the teacher, and she just said, Nate knows how to d- handle himself. Just let him deal with him, and you deal with you. <laughs> wow. I yeah. did not know about that part. But the school knew you were missing. They knew you weren't there. They didn't know that you had left the building yet they thought they probably thought you were like in the bathroom or somewhere right they didn't know that you were gone gone but they did it right they were really really gracious about handling it that of course led to you getting a 504 and gavin getting a 504 and having some more supports put in part of this story backing things up one of the things that listeners may notice is that march of last year The podcast went from posting weekly, which it had done for like four years, to getting sporadic and then not really posting for a while. And it still hasn't gone back to weekly because my dad's having health issues too. So right when I got back to weekly posting, it got disrupted again in like December. But we're in February of 2022. Um, February 2022, things were going okay. 
we were in that sort of the for us what was normal OCD. Nate hadn't spiked yet, and we came in with some money. Decided to redo the kitchen. Our contractor lives across the street. That part matters here. He's a friend. We have a good relationship with him. Um, so February we we went and like ordered a new kitchen to get put in, and then about a week later was when the OCD spiked really significantly. All of a sudden. One of the one of the places that we saw it most often was around hand washing and around you taking a shower. Suddenly, you're hand washing for like twenty minutes at a time. Your hands are bloody and raw. For a while, you were you were taking longer and longer showers, and you would only use a certain kind of soap. And we were blowing through fifteen ounces of soap a shower. Yeah, we were blowing like, through like three and four bottles of soap a, a week, if not a sometimes even a day. Yeah, it got the worst point was a bottle. A shower where I it was a fifteen ounce bottle in one shower. Yeah. And you were covered in basically chemical burns. You were all cracked up and raw everywhere. Especially like the nooks and crannies where you're gonna soap is gonna linger. Um that was really hard. And that started shortly after we ordered the kitchen. I can remember going to Boy Scouts with you guys, going to an, a camp out with you guys and you didn't have any soap on your hands, and I had you rinse. I was like, scrub your hands together. And you scrubbed your hands together, and they lathered up. And then you rinsed, and then you scrubbed your hands together, and they lathered up again. And we, I think we spent like 10 or 15 minutes with you just scrubbing your hands, and they kept lathering up. And eventually I was like, we can't keep, we can't stand here in this outside faucet with freezing cold water because it was outside we were camping. Um, and just keep scrubbing and scrubbing. And I know we ended up leaving leaving Boy Scouts basically that day. One of your buddies was at the camp out and had middle school sweatshirt on. And that shut down your ability to handle it because you were contaminated when you bumped into him. Some of the Boy Scout stuff was contaminated too for complicated reasons that we don't need to go into. But that was basically when we ended Boy Scouts. Gav, you weren't loving Boy Scouts too much anyway. And it was more than you either one of you could handle. So I know I... I didn't love not going, and I was disappointed, but it's not about me, it's about you guys. Um, Washing was really hard, and it got progressively worse when, in May, the kitchen came in, and all of a sudden it was time to redo our kitchen. We probably would not have done it if we knew how things were going to end up going for you, but we suddenly had to get, like, our refrigerator was in our living room, and the kitchen was empty, and our neighbor... He had cleared his whole week to get our kitchen done. Um, it ended up taking, what, like a month or two? Yeah. And that was another layer of difficulty on top of what was already hard. I think that was when you ran away from school yeah. was we also had a completely disrupted house with kitchen yeah, stuff. Especially because a few little things that caused anxiety was they were going through the front door, like in and out and moving a bunch of stuff. And a lot of our school stuff was, like, right near the front door, so that way when we got home from school, we could put it down and not have it contaminate the rest of the house. But in turn, when they would bring stuff in, it would hit the school stuff and contaminate the house. And I remember another story was, like, we didn't have a dishwasher because the kitchen was getting redone. And at one point, Mommy was like, let's just clean it in the bathtub, and did that. And I was like... But the bathtub's contaminated, so now I couldn't use any of the dishes or cutlery because I didn't know what had been washed in the bathtub. So I had to use, like, paper plates, plastic forks. Because I couldn't use cups, we bought just a bunch of tiny water bottles, and I would drink entirely from tiny water bottles. I was dehydrated a lot. That was a rough time. Yeah, yeah. And eventually the kitchen got finished. I think you were you were up to like two and three hour long showers at a clip. I remember there was one day you were in the shower for eight hours across three showers. That only happened once though, but most of the time you were in there for two or three hours. It was hard to help navigate that to get you out. You know, we're lucky. We have the kind of shower that like doesn't run out of hot water. <laughs> yeah. The showers got so bad. Now, we actually caused a national soap shortage of the specific kind of soap that Nate had to use to wash himself. 
It wasn't national, but we definitely could not find soap for a while. Yeah, in our entire town, we had, like, gradually store to store, we bought them all out of soap. We just couldn't find any. It was that bad. Yeah, it's like a blue suave soap. That suave ocean breeze. Suave ocean breeze, yeah. I had to, like, order it on Amazon and... We got a subscription to it we so that we get a box of six things a day. Actually, I um, could tell at that point when there were some really bad days because I would come home from work and because of the work going on in the house, I would have to park across the street. And as I crossed the street to the front lawn, I could smell the soap <laughs> from outside and I would be like, crap, he's in the shower still. Cause, and it would be like 5.30 and I'd be like, I knew you got home at like 3. So <laughs> On, on a personal note, and I'll dig into my personal stuff a little more in the subsequent episode because um, I don't need to put stuff on you guys. But but my my day ended at like 3 o'clock, right? Because I would go and pick you guys up. I'd park at the bowling alley down the street from the school because I couldn't park in the school. I'd pick you guys up. And then it was just helping helping you guys and helping especially you, Nate, navigate this. One of the things that made that easier to do was that I knew we were on the wait list for McLean Hospital, which is where the story goes next. McLean Hospital is one of the premier facilities in the world um, for dealing with OCD. They have a program called OCDI Junior that is a residential treatment program for navigating OCD. For children. They also have an adult one. Right, yeah. Um, School year ends. Pretty much immediately stuff gets calmer in our house because school is over. That's the contaminant. So things are going better. We went on vacation really f- soon because we knew OCDI Junior was probably going to happen in the summer. You yeah, discovered rock climbing last summer. We, we did a rock climbing cl- rock climbing camp too. That was um, good. And then beginning of July was July twenty first. Well, that's when you went in, and it was a, yeah. maybe a week before that that we went to Western Mass for holidays. yeah. We went on vacation in Western Mass for a week. And then, like, three days after we got back, Nate went to OCDI Junior. What did we do? We, we were on the trip when we got the notification that they had a space for him. Yeah, yeah. What happened at Western Mass? Yeah. We did we the zip tubing. lining, and we went tubing, oh, and right. we stayed in that, like, little tiny cabin. Yeah. So then we come home, and we have, you have an appointment at OCDI Junior, and, and you go. And this is where the story kind of splits into pieces a little bit. Because, Nate, you're in a residential program, Mm -hmm. which we should hear about. But also, Gav, you're home. And you're an only child for the first time in your life for three months. Yeah. Both of you, I imagine, have a different experience with this. And and Amy, you too, I imagine some of this is a new lens. So I, I know some of it was like, you were at work. Like, that was a big piece of it. And that that's cool. But um, but where do we want to start? Do you want to go OCDI Junior or do you want to go Gavin's an only child? Gavin wins. They played rock, paper, scissors. <laughs> oh, well, as an only child. I don't know, luckily, I'd gotten a lot of practice from the last summer when Nate was in the bathroom a lot. So I could handle it pretty well. Mostly it was just lonely. So you don't have too much to say about it. Well, one of the things that I liked about Nate being in the program, I'm not trying to be a jerk. I'm not like, it was great to get rid of Nate. That's not what I mean. But I got to spend some time with you. And we, you and I hit a point eventually where we kind of didn't know what to do with each other because so much of my time was taken up by Nate that when you and I did get a couple of minutes together, it was like, uh, what are we going to do? And so I enjoyed that time. We, we went on trips. We went to Canby Lake. We went to Hampton Beach, where I got pulled over. <laughs> you should tell that story. It's not important to this. Um, it's funny. But we got, to, we got to have some pretty good adventures and we got to spend some time <laughs> together, which to me was pretty great because I, I felt like it helped to make up some of the loss that we had experienced over the previous few years. Um, and we are much more comfortable with each other now than we were a year ago. And then you even started school without your brother. Starting school again was especially hard during that time. It was difficult. When school started again, I was still wearing the mask. 
just like Nate, I didn't want to take off the mask, so I all then I stopped eating lunch for a while. Well, Nate was at the hospital, which for the first time in our life, there's a significant difference since we both stopped eating at separate times. I got taller and Nate got wider. So that's a now significant difference between us that you can tell. Because you also have school anxiety stuff going on. It's just mm-hmm. not, it's not the same. It's, it's, there's a lot of sensory stuff for you. We figured out that noise canceling headphones make a big difference for you. Um, and you, you eventually stopped wearing your mask. Nate's, Nate stopped wearing his mask the day after he ran away from school. Because he realized if he was going to go back in, he had to take the mask off. Mm-hmm. Um, you stopped uh, wearing your mask. Actually, you realized that if I was going to go back in, I had to take the mask off, and I didn't have a choice. Okay, that's fair. I'll take that. And you stopped wearing the mask the day Nate came back from the program, I think, right? Because something we haven't mentioned, I don't even remember when it was, but for a little bit, I had OCD where I would knock on wood to stop bad thoughts. And they were trying, I mean, Daddy were trying to get it to stop because it'd be weird to do that around other people. So then one day we went to our aunt's house, and because I realized that it'd be weird and stressful and annoying for her to have to deal with that, I just stopped. Like, that was helpful with not having emotions. I was able to just make the OCD stop, which was the same thing with when I took off my mask. While Nate was gone with the OCD, I got extra stressed, and eventually it just, I just hit my breaking point with it, and I was just like, okay, that's it. To stop all of this, I'm just going to stop wearing the mask. I'm just done. So at the same time that that stuff's going on for you, Nate, you're an OCDI junior. For the rest of the podcast, I'm probably going to call the unit, because that's what we called it while we were at the unit. Um, so the first thing was, there was, like, that was when we would do, like, ERPs, which is, like... Exposure Response Prevention Therapy. Yeah, where you would do something against the OCD, and then... So they expose you to something that is going to trigger the OCD, and then you just kind of have to ride it out. Yeah. And not do whatever the OCD is asking you to do. Everyone there was pretty nice, though, so it was. I made a lot of friends that I still keep in contact with. Um, I didn't have a roommate, so I made my own roommate out of clothes. I named him Jason. I hid snacks in his hood. <laughs> <laughs> so that was just a fun little story. Um, but the biggest problem that I have with talking about the unit is that, like, it helped me get better... But if you ask me to tell you what I learned there, I can't answer that. Like, I just don't know what it is that made me get better. Like, I can't place my finger on it. I know it was at the unit. I did something that made me get better. I just, I don't know exactly what it was. That's okay. The experts who work there know what it was. Yeah. <laughs> no, like, they were teaching you strategies, but it was a lot of, like emotional regulation strategies that I just weren't helpful. It was like, name three things that are green. Um, what are two things you can smell? Like, it was a lot of those kinds of things. But the OCD, when they would notice that I was doing that, would then go, oh, I need to make up for this because this strategy is going to make you less anxious, I need to make you more anxious to balance it out. But then, because I was just getting more anxious doing it, I would stop. So then, when doing the strategies, I would end more anxious than I was before I started. That makes sense. And which is why I don't know what it is I learned, because the strategies just didn't really work. <laughs> I think one of the things you've learned as your dad and seeing you is that you are more able to be anxious now. You're more comfortable being anxious. Maybe that's not an obvious learning. That's kind of like if you go to the gym and you get stronger and you can lift more weight, you wouldn't say like, well, I learned how to lift more weight. You're just like, I just got stronger. You got stronger, just mentally instead of physically. Amy, anything to add? No, that seems about right. Okay. (laughs) 
Every time I ask her, she's like, no, I'm good. I'm just going to sit on the couch with you guys. That's cool. We want to hear your beautiful voice. <laughs> yeah, you you went through all this too. We, you're a part of it. You can share your thoughts. Well, I mean, I mean, like everybody else, it wasn't easy. I'm, uh, I wasn't the one. Exp- I was sort of a what's the right word here? Uh, shrapnel, you know. Like I wasn't taking the direct hit of of mental illness. I was on the side doing my best to understand and to help with what I could, which wasn't very much, and hold it together, you know, so we could function as best as possible until the help could help you and you and keep it moving forward. I, you know, it it wasn't easy, but it also wasn't about me. So, like, okay. <laughs> This is my life. I guess I'm just going to live it. Yeah, I, that that's important. I think that that matters. I think that that's one of the things that makes it easier to handle. That made it easier for me to handle, at least, right? Like the, your ability to to keep on keeping on. And, and to no small degree, the fact that you were able to keep working and keep us with money and health care and all the things, all the resources that we needed to navigate this when when we needed them was important because me kind of being the front line for navigating what's going on with the OCD as a support person meant that my ADHD business became less and less important because it had to. And we as a family had that luxury of me being able to sort of put some of that stuff down and turn to support them because you had a reliable job that you were employed and doing that you're doing phenomenal at like during the course of all of this stuff you got a raises and a promotion your job was throwing money at you during that's why we got to redo the kitchen during this whole time because you've been doing such a phenomenal job that hasn't gotten past me right i don't i don't lose sight of that that your 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 strength emotionally and and intellectually during all of this was really important because we all needed that, right? Like Nate and Gavin needed my strength to help them navigate the stuff that they were struggling with, but I needed your strength to help me be able to do that. So I don't, I don't like, yeah, you're catching the shrapnel, but it's not like you were just some random bystander who had no part in their story. You, you're a really important one. Yeah. Well, I did what I could. And, you know, when, when Nate was struggling and not around, I spent a lot of time with Gavin, which was very nice. Um, there were times when I got to, when Nate was in the unit, but we spent one-on-one time together, which was nice or I got with each of them. But yeah, I'd say at least over the whole pandemic, I just took a lot of refuge in books and literally have read hundreds of books <laughs> since March of 2020. And, and even like when Nate was at the unit, we visited him. We saw you like three times a week because by coincidence, Amy's job is one exit away from where Nate was going. So, what, Mondays I would drive Gavin to you when you and Gavin would go and visit Nate. Wednesdays, Gavin and I would go visit Nate. And then Saturdays, Nate, you'd come home um, for the day, which was great that he was able to come home for the day. We got a lot of time with you. It wasn't like it was you were in the unit. We just never saw you for three months because um, that's how long he was there. He was there for three months. Almost exactly. It was like a month and like three days or something. Yeah. It was almost exactly three months. And in October, you came home because you, you basically were like, I can't get any better here. I need to go to school and face school in order to, to find out if I've got what I need to do. And so October, you came home. The school had a program that you were in for a few months at least that was like a transition program, um, a bright program. And now it's just... You're just a kid at school, right? I mean, I can still use the Bright program if I want because I'm a Bright alumni or whatever they called it, Mm -hmm. which is I was part of it, so I can still use it. It's just not, like, expected of me to use it. I pretty much only use it when, like, I'm at my mental limit and someone has an oak shirt, and I'm like, I can't do this right now. I'm done. Okay. Like, I've used it, like twice since I left it and both times it was because I was like at the end of my mental 
limit, and it was the end of the day, and the last class teacher had a triggering oak shirt, so I was just like, I don't care about this last class, bye. So I just went to the bright room and read, pretty much. And Gav, you've been doing okay at school. My impression is that Nate came home, you were stressed when Nate was coming back, rode that out, because we didn't know it was going to happen. We were all a little bit like, is Nate going to come home and we're going to go back to where things were with three-hour showers and stressed out everybody? Or is it going to, did the program work? And the program worked. Nate came back. We've had a couple of little moments where he's struggled, but for the most part, things are chill. And then once Nate was home for a while and we knew we could trust it, that, I think, is when your anxiety finally hit for real. All the stuff you've been holding back kind of started to roil and boil. Is that fair to say? Probably. Yeah. Leak out. <laughs> leak out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. All your stuff started to leak out. Um, and and we've had some struggles here and there. We don't need to go into detail because I don't think you want to. Unless you do. In which case, cool. That was a no. Was that a head shake? Okay. Um, but even even with the leak, leaks that have happened, you seem like you're in a better spot now. We've got you a clinician you're working with. She's beginning to teach you some skills. Do you have any thoughts on on that stuff? No. <laughs> okay. All right. Anybody have any other any other thoughts or ideas? I don't believe they want so. To do a couple of the highlights or yeah. low lights of <laughs> OCD. <laughs> low lights. Yeah, we can do some highlights and low lights of OCD. Who wants to talk about the wagon? Oh, the wagon was awesome. Oh, that. Do you want to tell it? Sure. It was during um, the kitchen getting redone, and it was, so we couldn't walk across the kitchen. But Nate didn't want to, so we had to come in through a side door. Which let me let me back up a little bit. Let me frame stuff a little bit. When Nate would come home from school, and Gavin, because Nate's OCD was applied to Gavin as well, they would come into the into the house in the den, take off their backpacks, coats, all that stuff, hang it in the corner of the den, and then they would come in to the house. They had two different laundry baskets. One was for school clothes. One was for not school clothes. We're past that now, but at the time, school clothes laundry and home clothes laundry, and all of their clothes were divided by whether it went to school or not. So they would come in basically throw their clothes in the school clothes laundry and take a shower. Gavin would go first and then Nate would take a shower. And I would wait on the school corner until Gavin was done. Yeah, yeah. Gav- Nate would wait in the school corner of the den until Gavin was done and then he would go because he couldn't contaminate the house. But when the kitchen got redone, at one point they tore up the floor and then laid new tile down and they couldn't. the boys could not walk across the kitchen. So that's that's the story you're telling, right, Gav? Mm-hmm. So go ahead. But also, Nate didn't want to walk across a new path because that would then contaminate this new path going across the living room to the bathroom. Because so, you came in the front door. Yeah, normal, yeah, we came into the we side came. door instead of the front door. That leads into the living room. So he came up with an ingenious plan because... Better lose a dignity than a room of the house. <laughs> Daddy put a wagon in front of the door so we could climb in and he could pull us across to the bathroom. <laughs> and that was another sitcom moment of OCD. Yep. OCD caused wacky problem solving and really <laughs> weird scenarios in our house. That was probably the moment when we made the joke about OCD being a sitcom. Probably, yeah. Anybody else have any highlights or lowlights? Oh, I've got one. This is a little something I like to call alphabet soup. Nate was in the bathroom one day, washing his hands compulsively, like you do when you have OCD. But one of the important pieces here is when he would wash his hands, he would have to turn the faucet on with a contaminated hand, and then he would wash them. So he would refuse to turn the water off, because if he turned the water off, he would have to touch that faucet, and then he's contaminated again. Sometimes he would use an implement to turn the water off, but not always. So in this case, he's doing, he's washing his hands in the bathroom, 
and then he didn't turn the water off. Usually he would let someone know so that we could turn the water off for him. But Nate also has ADHD. So what happened was the water just kept running and the soap kept filling and filling with bubbles and bubbles and bubbles in the bathroom sink. I noticed it right before it overflowed. And it I it was like out of a sitcom. I've never seen so many bubbles in a sink before. I took a picture of it. Um, yeah, it was like a basketball-sized pile of bubbles. Yeah, yeah. And the reason I call it alphabet soup is because it's ADHD and OCD combining to form alphabet soup. That was another sitcom moment. Have we exhausted this? We've exhausted this. I think so. All right. To wrap this up, because every every episode has an ending essential, I'll give it this time. I wanted to do this episode to share with you, my audience, that even people who are experts in this stuff hit snags and encounter challenges and trouble and difficulty and have to find experts themselves in other areas that they are not as knowledgeable in. And that there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with finding support. There's nothing wrong with reaching out for for connection to people who have the resources and knowledges that you need. And also that that everything is not easy and does not go smoothly, even for those of us who are considered experts in the field. Um, it's been a really long road for us as a family. I I will say that we've navigated that road pretty well um, with some skill that maybe not every family could navigate the road with, but that, that doesn't make it any less hard. And I'm glad that our story ends with success, but also our story is not over yet. And OCD could flare up again and probably will. ADHD can flare up again and probably will. I know my ADHD is not as managed as it has been in the past. Um, I'm navigating some of my own challenges there. Felt like an important story to tell. Hey, you're still here. Nice. Thanks for staying focused all the way through. If you have any thoughts or questions about today's episode, feel free to email me at brendan at ADHDessentials.com. And don't forget to check out the website, ADHDessentials.com. And visit our Facebook community. I'm looking forward to talking to you again next week. In the meantime, keep focusing on improvement over perfection. 10% better is all you need. Thank you.